Well, uh, it's really a privilege to be here on the north side of Dublin in uh, Drumcondra with uh, a former Taoiseach, Bertie Hearn. Uh, the people who listen to this podcast and watch these films uh, from all, you're from all over the world. So just to kind of do a bit of translation, uh, the Irish Taoiseach means the Irish Prime Minister. So um, one of the most consequential periods of time in Irish history, or certainly modern history, was in 1998, next year it'll be 25 years, uh, we had what was called the Good Friday Agreement, which brought to end uh, 30 years of conflict in the North. And an instrumental part of that whole process was the Irish government and Bertie Hearn, uh, who uh, is with us today. So thanks Bertie for giving us the time to- Delighted to, very nice to be yeah. on your show. Yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things I just realized is that on the 30th of January next week will be the 50th anniversary of uh, Bloody Sunday, which obviously was one of those events that you know shook this island to its core. Um, just wonder what your memories are of, of, of those. Of yeah, those yeah, I, I remember the day well. I, I suppose um, you know from the time the trouble started in in the north in October '68, uh, we were all watching them down south. We were young at the time, but. Um, still following it very closely, the events, and I took a keen interest in it. And the civil rights movement, which was really what we all supported at that mm. time, um, you know, to give equality and various mm. issues and housing and mm. voters' rights mm. and all the rest, um, it, it, it seemed to be getting very difficult. And, you know, the government of the day and the, the Stormer government of the day seemed to be take a very hard line against mm. people who were just fighting for mm. Um, mm. Normal, normal things. And of course then Bloody Sunday happened. And mm. uh, I know like the paramilitary groups had started and the mm. accusations about mm. whether they were involved and you know, mm. all of that. But anyway, regardless of, of, of that, the sad thing was that so many people were killed, innocent mm. people mm. who were just out on a, mm. on a march on a Sunday mm. afternoon. And it had a profound effect uh, all mm. over the island. Mm. Uh, uh, I think it turned mm. um, normal public opinion very much against the British Army mm. at that time, mm. who had come in in the first place mm. to try to protect mm. nationalists mm. and republicans. Mm. And then um, I remember the day well, I, I, I had a football game that day and um, coming home and hearing what had happened and mm -hmm. you know I, I think the, the, the same view w went right across Irish society mm -hmm. of, of people mm -hmm. being you know upset and angered mm -hmm. and there was a number of days of rioting in Dublin and mm -hmm. uh, the Congress of Trade Unions called a huge march and you know mm -hmm. thousands of tens of thousands of people marched in appalling rain and mm -hmm. you know got out of control and then elements of the crowd mm -hmm. attacked the mm -hmm. British Embassy in Dublin mm -hmm. and Burnt it to the ground, mm, and mm. It, it just generally mm. uh, was a was a, yeah. I suppose, a, a very sad period, yeah. and you know, created so much uh, yeah. confusion. And of course, that was the start of 1972 being one of the worst mm. years mm. of the troubles. Mm. Um, it, 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 you know, we're on the 50th anniversary now, but that that 1972 mm. was a horrendous year mm. of, of violence and killing and mayhem. Yeah, and. I suppose I, I want to get into a bit of the Good Friday Agreement, um, but before we get there, maybe even kind of starting, we've started looking back all the way at Bloody Sunday. Uh, you know, one of the recent kind of issues coming up is the question of amnesty. How do you deal with the past? 
what's the role of truth discovery in reconciliation? And I know that's a very present reality. You know, Boris Johnson has made some, you know, moves in that way. What, what's, what are your feelings genuinely about, like, how do we deal with the past, the legacies of the past? Yeah, the, I, the I, um, I was very in, much in favour of the Stormont House Agreement of, of some years ago. I, I, I had hoped, I wasn't involved in those discussions, but I had hoped that um, Charlie Flanagan, who was Minister of Justice at that stage, and, and others, that they had re reached a, a fair compromise of, of how to, mm. to handle the issues, and they had got buy-in from all parties. And it was disconcerting that to realise that a few years later that, you know, the British government didn't really, you know, feel signed in to, into that, to that system. And since then, you know, we're, we're, we're now in this ongoing saga ab about what way do you deal with it. And of course, it's easy for people to say you, you can draw a line and you can have a, an amnesty and you can move on. But the reality is, if you've lost somebody, mm. um, as thousands of people mm. did, or people have been named, mm. um, uh, you, you, you don't stop. Uh, mm. you, you want to know mm. as much as you, you, you can and you want to find out what happened to your loved ones mm. and why they were killed and mm. who killed them. And It's not often always to see if someone get a jail sentence at this mm. remove, but to, to try and find the truth. And that's, that's what I think we were trying to do. And I think it makes reconciliation and, and uh, um, trying to peace build more important than ever. Mm. Uh, because what's happening now is that it's moving into a new generation. Mm -hmm. And this desire, um, appetite to, to get to the truth is, mm -hmm. is just moving down, mm -hmm. down through the, mm -hmm. uh, the generations. And, and um, I, I think it, it's not just possible to close the book and say, mm -hmm. that's it. I did, uh, back at the start, uh, because I had met President de Klerk. Mm -hmm. uh, he came to Dublin mm -hmm. to speak at the peace and... Uh, reconciliation Forum mm. in Dublin Castle. Mm. I spent the whole day with him, mm. and I was very taken by the model uh, mm. that they had followed, you know, mm. followed in South mm. Africa. And then um, he he spoke at the forum, but then he came back to my office, and we, you know, we talked at at, at length about how it worked. And I I did at that stage um, float the idea with mm. the parties. But it was the wrong time to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, nobody like was, a Truth and Reconciliation yeah, Commission? Yeah, on the Truth and, and Reconciliation yeah. Commission. Mm -hmm. I, I was taken with the model and mm -hmm. I thought it was a good way of, of doing mm -hmm. it. And um, I thought in, in the heat of the time, it might have been a good way of, mm -hmm. of, of dealing with it. But I, I think that's, that's, that opportunity was mm -hmm. then and it's, mm -hmm. it's gone. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, there's one thing I'm certain about. I, I don't know the solution. I mean, mm. Stormont House would have been my preference because mm. it was an agreed negotiated mm. program. That's gone, up, what's what, six, seven years ago mm. now. So that doesn't seem to be acceptable, unfortunately. Um, uh, but an amnesty that just tries to wrap it all up mm. is not acceptable mm. to anybody. Yeah. Uh, so. That requires, I think, us all again to look at uh, some form of, of reconciliation, mm. some form um, of, of, of people being able to find as much information as they can and, and, and to be able to get a healing process. Mm. Um, 
And I think it, it is the reconciliation, it is the healing, it is mm. the understanding. Mm. It's, I, I think we've moved from the era, and maybe not for everybody, but, mm. but I think we've moved from the era uh, of it being about criminal mm. justice and mm. locking people up and throwing mm. away the keys. And, mm. you know, I, I, I don't think that's yeah. what's, I don't think that's mm. what the issue is now, mm. even though some people mm. might have that view. Mm. Um, but I think the majority view is people want a, a way where they can uh, get to the truth or mm. if there's evidence that it's dealt with mm. uh, or, or when they can try and reconcile their lives. Mm. And um, I'm afraid it's not going to go away. It's mm. one of these issues that's not just going to vanish. Yeah, so it's almost like, um, you know, there's that kind of contrast between crimes that need to be punished and wounds that need to be healed and maybe it's more about healing and, um, and yeah, maybe I, we need Desmond Tutu to come back. And, yeah, uh, well, I, 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 I agree with you. I think it's very much the healing process mm, now. Yeah. Um, because, and what, what convinces me of that, maybe I'm wrong, mm. but what convinces me of that is that we're not now, in lots of cases, dealing with people who were born mm. when the atrocity happened. Yeah. Um, we're now dealing, if you look at the really horrendous years of the Troubles, you know, mm. first half of the 70s, mm. say, mm. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's now heading 45, 50 years. 50 years. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're mm. talking about people my age, 70 mm. plus. So I don't think that's where the problem is now. Mm. Um, I think the problem is is the is the, the new generation. Now. And I think it it it, need, it needs handling, because the last thing to do is that it just festers on mm. and on and mm. on. Mm. Because if that happens, it just feeds into mm. all the other things and feed, feeds into it. And, mm. and that's that's why it can't just be left. Yeah. So just going into um, the Good Friday Agreement, next year it'll be 25 years uh, in April. Um, it, it brought to an end the Troubles. Uh, so you took office the same year Tony Blair came in in, in, in London. Bill Clinton was in his second year, second term in, in uh, Washington. Um, it was a, you know, it's a very different world. There was a lot of optimism, I think, at that time. Um, I remember being at Queen's University and having a sense that maybe with you know, the, the arc of justice, the world is kind of coming to rights, you know. And, um, what are your, when, would, when you took over, you became Taoiseach, when did you first kind of become aware, uh, maybe was it before, that the peace was really possible, that negotiations were happening? Like, well, I suppose from the time I, I, I was in school, in second level, when the trouble started wow. in 68, um, and then you go through your, 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 your years of, 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 you know, college and you go through your years uh, of, of working and uh, you're, 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 watching, you're watching the problems and everything gets worse and worse and worse. And, you know, I was working right through the 70s and the 80s and, you know, I, I was elected to the Dáil of Parliament in, in 77. And then, um, you know, it was just never ending, uh, the troubles. and. You know the the atrocities and every side guilty and you know the innocent people suffering most and the people who were true democrats and weren't involved in violence of any kind you know finding very hard to to have any political democratic system mm. that would operate mm. the efforts that were made in sunningdale in 74 and uh, then the anglo-irish agreement in in 85 yeah. you know all coming to naught uh, sometimes even seemed to be worse mm. at the mm. end of them than it was. Mm. Um, so uh, it, it was always an aspiration 
of you know my party in Fianna Fáil that we would we would try and find a, a solution or lend to a solution and Charlie Hawhey, Albert Reynolds, you know they they all of them had been trying different ways to to try to to make progress and um, you know I, I was on the cabinet table for all of the you know probably um, from the late eighties. I always kind of think the Enniskillen bombing, mm. Um, mm. in my mind the Enniskillen bombing was kind of a turning mm. point. I, I just think that, mm. uh, the, I, I just sensed that time that people people had enough of this, mm. you know, mm. regardless, it's just one horrendous thing after another. And th that seemed to give an impetus to people to, to, trying, to, um, to trying to find solutions. Mm. And, um, Mm. Uh, from there on in, I, I mean, I, I passionately believe that we in Fianna Fáil and my colleagues that we should make a genuine effort to, to see mm. if we could find an accommodation. Mm. Albert Reynolds started that with John Major, mm. um, you know, and then I had started talking to Tony Blair a good few years before mm. either of us mm. were. Before you were elected? Uh, yeah, elected. Right? We had a number of meetings and conversations in Dublin mm. and in London. And um, we started saying, well, listen, if we're elected, and at that time he was a certain, he was a shoe in because he had a mm. huge, mm. huge lead in the polls. Mm. Uh, my situation was tighter, but mm. we were hopeful. And um, that if we got in, that we would, uh, we would give it a, a really... Uh, our view was mm. we give this one big year, you mm. know. Is that right? right? You know, mm. let's let's give this one, and then we'll see whether we're totally wasting our time, mm. or whether there's there's some nuggets here that might mm. work, mm. and um, that's what we did. Mm. You know, Tony made a speech and went to mm. Belfast, made a speech to say mm. he was committed to this, to, to mm. trying to find a, you know, mm. a, a, a solution that he he, mm. he accepted that. The union was was mm. had was strong, and he mm. was committed to that. But equally, that we had to try and find a way mm. of stopping the violence and, mm. and trying to find a new political accommodation. And then, my first job then was to try and get Sinn Fein uh, and then through them to the IRA to recall the ceasefire that had broken down mm. in, in January '96, and uh, to 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 try and get things going and. Um, I think we, we had the benefit that we were able to learn from, from a few of the things that had been tried mm. and had failed. Mm. Um, like the first ceasefire failed because there was a, a gap between the mm. ceasefire and you know getting mm. consultations going. I understand the arguments why that happened, but anyway, it, it, it didn't help. Mm. Um, mm. So uh, when we, we, we got in, we got the ceasefire, Tony made a speech, and we got the talks going in, in, with George Mitchell, who was a wonderful mm. man, mm. in September 97. Mm. And then really that full roll through September 97 mm. till April mm. 98, which mm. was, a, it was a long winter, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there must have been many make or break moments. I mean, and obviously George Mitchell, Senator George Mitchell was a very skilled negotiator or mediator, facilitator. What are some of your memories of those, gosh, this is going to fall apart, and how did you bring it back in, or how did? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I think well, George was wonderful, and he had the patience of Jove, you know. So <laughs> that was a help. Um, 
I mean, he, 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 he started off not getting the kind of respect he should have got, mm. but anyway, he, he, he took that. He, mm. he, he'd been on Capitol Hill long enough <laughs> to, to know how things mm. work. So uh, that, was sure, that was sure a help. Um, <clears throat> I think, um, you know, listen, in that eight months through, we made all the, we made all the progress and all the mistakes that you can make. You know, we, mm. we said everyone had to be signed up to the Mitchell principles, which effectively meant that you had to reject violence and accept mm. that um, from here on in, you were going to follow democratic, peaceful means and stop punishment beatings and, mm. you know, s s s stop being associated in any way with, with violent mm. atrocities or actions. Um, and um, we, I think we had the Christmas break too early because as soon as we had the Christmas break from the talks, mm. um, there were acts on both sides, mm. loyalism and republicanism. Then we had to bring in the red card in football terms and mm. throw out mm. the parties for a period, bring them back in, try and build up relationships. I, I've worked hard and mm. so did uh, David Trimble. We worked hard together to, to try and find a way of mm. uh, accommodating um, uh, our, our various agendas, mm. sometimes successfully, other times not. Mm. And then I think we narrowed down the issues to the to the crunch issues, and you know there were there, there were we came around to the street three strand approach, but that was you know that there had to be a solution mm. in within the north mm. strand one strand two, the relationship mm. north and south strand three east and west, that was kind of the structure, but. Then there were all the difficult issues, the, mm. the parity of esteem agenda, mm. the equality agenda, new criminal justice system. Mm. Then there was the whole issue of reform of the, mm. the old RUC, mm. um, how that could be done without disrespecting mm. all the good work that the RUC mm. had to do in, 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 as a police force, um, because you know unionism held dear to that, and mm. I had to understand that, but nationalists didn't have the trust, so, mm. so we had to try and deal with that. Decommissioning of arms, which uh, turned out to be a long playing record. Mm. Mm. You know, I regret we didn't find a simpler way of dealing with that because mm. effectively it went on from '98 to 2005, mm. which was crazy. Mm. Um, and um, then dealing with prisoners, uh, prisoners we dealt with very effectively and and didn't become mm. a problem really, mm. which I would have thought. Yeah, I would have thought prisoners was going to be the difficult mm. one, and the commission would could have been an easier one, mm. but um, uh, it didn't didn't yeah. turn out like that. Yeah, yeah. I remember we interviewed Seamus Mallon for our documentary, and you know, looking back now, I'm, I'm glad we did. It was it was um, it was, would have been one of you know, one of one of his last interviews, I suppose. Um, and he, like many of those figures at the time, were were you know men and women of peace. Um, uh, I remember him talking about the moment they shook hands. Um, you know, the deed, or you know, the deed was the deal was done. You know, yeah. very matter of factly. You know, we did it. All right. You know. Yeah. Um, what are you, some of your memories of those moments of the exact? Yeah, I, I, Seamus was Seamus and John were so mm. were such powerful figures mm. um, of nationalism, and um, both of them totally anti-violence mm. all their lives stuck to the political, democratic, peaceful mm. means all their lives, mm. um, paid a heavy price for themselves and their party, I mm. suppose, for that. And um, I remember the night, uh, the Thursday night of, the, of that week, of Holy Week 98, 
when we finally got uh, we we got the deal on strands one, mm. which was the internal position, and Seamus Mallon was really excited mm. about that. Mm. He was really emotional and you know exuberant that uh, strand one was settled that we had a we would have a Stormont we would have an executive. Um, and we would have sharing power across, you know, the Dahan mm-hmm. system. Um, and then he, he, he knew where I was on Strand 2, so mm. uh, he wanted us to get the implementation bodies and get the, the North-South Ministerial Council set up. So, you know, that was a great... Mm. And then we didn't have a problem with the East-West because Tony and I had kind of squared mm. that off a, mm. a long time before. Mm. So... You know, it was a it was a great it was mm. a great time of hope, and mm. um, I think when Seamus Mallon went in as deputy first minister, uh, with David Trimble, I mean, it was it was, you know, unionism, nationalism together. So mm. it it was a sign of great. Now, if listen, there hasn't worked out perfectly. No, mm. uh, has there been massive improvements? Yes. Mm. Um, did the Good Friday Agreement end the violence? almost mm. exclusively did mm. um, have we found a, a problems to all the legacies of the troubles mm. no mm. you know mm. so I think I think you like anything you have to do the balance sheets mm. pluses mm. and minuses mm. um, but I think on, on overall balance the pluses are far outweigh the minuses but we have to be mindful of the minuses mm. and we have to be mindful that we, we have to deal with them yeah. because these things as you know Johnny mm. Dick they don't solve themselves. Mm, mm, yeah. And um, uh, just one figure, obviously powerful figure during those years that didn't come into the negotiations was Ian Paisley, who um, no longer with us. Did, did you have much to do with him? Because obviously he wasn't part of the, the DUP, didn't join the Good Friday Agreement negotiations. No, my dealings with, my initial dealings with Ian Paisley uh, and he wouldn't have been a pin-up man in my home. Um, in, in Dublin, my parents were Republicans <laughs> from <laughs> the old days. Mm-hmm. And um, though I started dealing with him as a church leader mm. uh, to do uh, with his churches that were in the Republic, mm. and particularly along the border. Uh, so my meetings with him, and I had a number, mm. were about security concerns he had, rightly had, mm about attacks on, on the church property, uh, which was not acceptable. Mm. And people down here, you know, appreciated that. Mm. They didn't like his politics, but uh, in his church capacity, they, 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 you know, people were not in any way sympathetic mm. to attacks on, mm. on, on, on the church, ch- churches. So I built up a relationship with him on that. Um, he wouldn't shake hands to me, of <laughs> course, because uh, um, I was a leader of a, of 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 the uh, the south, and mm. so but that didn't worry either of us. We got on with it, mm. and then, you know, after the Good Friday Agreement, when things were moving on, and that election when they put forward a manifesto where mm. we saw positive things, uh, I started dealing with them on the political front, mm. and uh, it didn't happen overnight either. Mm. But mm. we 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 built up a good relationship. Um, I think we he he met me in the Irish Embassy, which mm. in London, which was a big issue for him. Mm. Um, we had serious talks and that, and a bit of serious fun as well. Mm. Mm. You know, with, with with playing the games about the hard egg and the orange and <laughs> all of that. Um, 
But I, I found out I could deal with him. I got to know the family. Mm. Uh, his uh, um, uh, uh, Baroness Eileen and, mm. and, and, and the rest of the family members. Um, and um, then when we got into the politics of St Andrew's mm -hmm. Agreement in 2006, um, you know, we, we made good progress mm. and we were able to understand each other and able to deal with the, uh, the issues that were outstanding. And um, I have to say, he and I ended up extremely mm. good friends. Wow, it's amazing. I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I suppose we, we come into modern day events and something that struck me in my interactions with you over the last year is that you really come across as someone who understands the Protestant psyche, the Northern Protestant psyche. Um, and, you know, right now, and it feels like, you know, with, with Brexit, um, it's kind of, kind of the border, Irish borders come into, um, into play again. Um, the, the protocol is the kind of this hot potato issue that was brought in to resolve Brexit, but it's, it's still kind of causing trouble. You seem to have an, uh, an understanding of that kind of the fears and suspicions of Northern Protestants. What, what do you see them as and what, yeah, what, do you think, I, I, what are the dangers of the yeah, protocol? I think Brexit has been a disaster for us all, um, you know, and it's, it's created five years of, of turmoil. Um, nobody in Northern Ireland or in Southern Ireland wanted Brexit, I think, and, okay, people vote for these things when it's put up and they have party allegiances and that. I understand that. But from a, from a, a, a business point of view, a cultural point of view, travel point of view, I, there, there was nothing in Brexit for, for any of us. Mm, mm. And um, all this has created is, is disruption. Um, but I, I think it, it beholds us all. I mean, we, you know, it, it, it's kind of, a, it, it's now, you know, five years of discussion. Um, we, we, we started off trying to accept that we didn't want the hard border on the island of Ireland. We didn't want to go back to the customs checks on, on the border. And, you know, that was not something I think anyone particularly wanted. People liked the free movement. But neither did we want the great um, disruption to trade mm. or to affect uh, business people mm. north or south being able to move their goods around. Mm. And um, it's, it's a pity, and uh, the blame game will get us nowhere, but it's a pity that we, we move kind of from no hard border to a backstop, um, to a protocol, mm. um, to rounds of negotiations mm. with about three different secretaries of states um, and we still haven't got a conclusion mm. you know it, 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 it's been unhelpful mm. um, from my perspective I, I, the idea of, of putting, not having a land border um, in Ireland of course was an imperative that we had to have but equally so talking about a sea border you know mm. was, was red right to a bull I mean that, that was mm. that, 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 that language was, mm. was never going to wash mm. you know Mm. Um, now we all know there is no border down the mm. sea, but mm. I mean just the theoretical mm. uh, border it, it, it was a problem. So I think you know the, the the big thing here is there's two things I think. One is is to try and get goods moving, businesses moving, being able to trade, and the other thing is to try to get away from kind of an ideological line mm. down mm. the sea that that mm. that creates a. Um, a threat, you know, because, you know, threats don't win anyone, mm. you know, things. I mean, the threats are 
threats are for bullies and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so so that's that that that's that's not what we want to do so i hope i do think that the european union um, and everything that i've heard from brussels and not to mind from irish authorities but they genuinely want to find a, a, a fair resolution of this and the quicker the better um, that we can get on dealing with the things of, 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 of substance yeah. um, there there is no there is nobody in the Republic of Ireland wants to use Brexit um, as a way of, of, of forcing uh, United Ireland or, or trying to find a way of, of damaging Unionist identity or traditions. I mean, people would, would, would of course, like to see United Ireland, at least mm. a lot of people would, mm. but not through devices yeah. around mm. Brexit. Um, mm. So I, I think, in my view, Brexit has put back mm. Um, put back progress. It, 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 it hasn't, if anyone believes that the five years of Brexit has helped uh, to bring us closer to United Ireland, I think they're wrong. Mm. Um, because what it's done is it's, it's affected our relationship for the last five years mm. and, um, and we haven't been able to deal with things that we want to deal with. Mm. So hopefully we can, we can satisfactorily, mm. you know, Bring it to an end. Yeah, and so just I suppose in closing, kind of looking ahead to the future. Um, you know, nobody knows the future. We, we started this interview looking at a Bloody Sunday fifty years ago, the burning of the British Embassy in Dublin, um, real animosity. Um, you know, down in, in down here in Dublin and in, in, in the Republic, and uh, all the way to Good Friday Agreement and positivity and hope and change and. And then we've got Brexit, we've gone back and forwards. You know, one of the th things looming is a, is a border poll where people in the north will get a vote on do they want to stay part of the UK or uh, have a united Ireland. Um, and that will lead to other complications. What are some of your thoughts on, on the possibilities of that or the possibilities of peace and building meaningful society of reconciliation regardless of borders or yeah I, I, I think the, um, the, the the strategy now by every right-thinking peaceful democratic people is to try and keep continue to build relationships mm. you know to try in a non-threatening you know fair-minded way um, you know build up the relationship it, it, it's great in where I live in, in, in North Dublin and now every weekend for the last number of years, you know, when we're away from COVID, <laughs> COVID has disrupted mm. all our lives. But we're away from that. You meet people coming down here for rugby matches, mm. uh, for Gaelic matches, for mm. soccer games. They're coming down here for trade fairs, for business. Mm. Huge amount of unionist people that I meet and nationalists, Republicans, loyalists. Um, no diff difficulty traveling up and down. I think it's to build up that relationship, people being able to come down to theatre, come to concerts. Um, that's what we need to be doing for a prolonged period on one side. The other side, we need to be looking that if we do want to build a, a new Ireland, which is what I rather call it, that um, all the preparatory work of, of how that can be done needs to be explored, needs to be teased out. Um, by and large, none of that work has, has been done. A bit has been started academically, yeah. but it's it's not been done in a way that would relate yeah. to to the populace. Yeah. Um, so uh, the the idea of 
ramping up, you know, an early bird of pole is 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 is, is just divisive, you know. It, 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 someday I I would love to see United Ireland, on terms that were negotiated and explained, uh, where people can, um, not by outvoting each other, but but where people can accommodate each other, mm. uh, in a different kind of an Ireland. We're mm. a small island, and mm. I think <coughs> there's lots of different relationships you can work out, and mm. um, they're all kind of issues of sovereignty that have been around the world mm. in different conflicts. Mm. Um, I've seen those out in the in Papua New Guinea where I was involved in the South Pacific mm. and you know you see different kind of mm. uh, solutions being found. Mm. <coughs> so, but all that has to be done in a, if, if that is done in an intimidatory way or you know mm. just who, who's the biggest vote or you mm. know that mm. that doesn't solve anything. Mm. So I think these um, for, for this decade for this decade um, what we need to do is is to try and build trust, mm. harmony, mm. relationship, friendship, reconciliation. Mm. It, that's that's what we need to be to be doing, mm. and the work the other work will go on side by side, um, and hopefully, um, if people's fears can be allayed, mm. uh, and if people can see um, that it's 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 not a, an unfair deal, mm. uh, then they can have a vote at some future mm. date. So just maybe my last question, um, which I suppose ties in with the theme of the podcast that we've filmed is, uh, you know, I suppose we, we made our documentary during the middle of Donald Trump's, you know, term in office in, in, in the United States. And it was a time where a lot of people talked about Christian nationalism, religious nationalism. And, and of course, up in the north, we talked about Ian Paisley, we're very familiar with clerics and Bibles and mixing it with flags and all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm also aware that a couple of weeks ago Desmond Tutu passed away, an amazing transformative figure, um, a, a religious leader like Martin Luther King is just remembered uh, this month uh, around, the, around the world and in the United States. I wonder, Ireland has changed a lot since, you know, since your youth. Uh, it's much more of almost like a post-Christian country. Um, in the north, we're still we've still got a lot of religion up there, you know. Uh, what's some of your reflections on kind of how maybe religious leaders can play a transformative role, like a Martin Luther King or like a Desmond Tutu? Yeah, well, I, I think it's very important um, for the Christian churches, uh, and and I started an initiative here now, must have been twenty years ago almost. Uh, of bringing in a relationship between the government and the churches, um, including the humanists and the, mm -hmm. the, the you know, to, to include everybody. Mm. And uh, it, it very much around, you know, how, how they can influence society, mm. how they can influence their people. <clears throat> but I, th I think they do that best working together mm. because uh, the rise in population, you know, are not into they, they have a lot of things in their life to lots of distractions mm. and they they, they they want to see people uh, cooperate and coordinate mm. and the thing and I think the message get gets diluted otherwise mm. and I think every church has to look after their own interests of course but I think when it comes to the big issues mm. um, uh, working to, together um, mm. uh, is uh, you know church mm. cooperation is, is, is the way mm. of, of influencing mm. people and uh, and I think they, mm. the church leaders are good at it. Mm. Um, you know when when they're not just talking to their own flock. Mm. And I think they've long, at least in this island anyway, mm. they've long moved away from from shouting down and mm. <laughs> you know lecturing. 
So I, I think it's, um, of course, they've their job and they've their message and they're totally should be free. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big supporter of Christian churches and um, they, they, they have their role. But I think their 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 best influencer is to work together, mm. uh, and and that that way they can have a, um, they should be part of the solution, and uh, I think that's uh, mm. an important important thing mm. for them to do. So faith leaders becoming bridges instead of um, uh, obstacles and, and to dialogue, and and yeah. I know for for myself working at Corimila, um, you know it's an organisation. I know you've worked in Glen Cree um, over the years. It's you know, it's creating spaces for religious dialogue, for where religion can be a place for dialogue and bridges of, of mutual understanding instead of kind of creating roadblocks. And um, yeah, I, 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 I think that's that's the, the, the way. I think the <coughs> the churches uh, and religious groups and you know all denominations and none you know mm. w w working together. Uh, can you know can have a, a major mm. uh, influence on, on on people and you know I think we're we're lucky in in, in this island that we have a, a lot of you know learned men and women in in, in churches mm. uh, who who are you know intellectually you know very good at looking at ways of reconciling mm. uh, views and. Uh, they proved that during the peace process. I mean, there's endless amount of people um, from from different churches, different faiths that have played a role uh, here over the last fifty years, and mm -hmm. lots of times in, in in very difficult circumstances. I mean, you could hardly go through an event. Um, uh, everyone remember Bishop Daly and the uh, in Derry and Bloody Sunday mm -hmm. and. Uh, when the, those two soldiers were, were brutally mm. killed, Alec Reed, Alec Reed, Reed yeah. been there, and you know Harold Good, and mm. you know there's been mm. there's been so many of them that mm. have uh, have played a, a, a key role. It, it, there's hardly an event in the troubles that they weren't there trying to be helpful mm. and constructive, and mm. uh, and I think if um, as we go into the into the future, um, they they have that that role to play. Mm. Well. Um, Bertie Hearn, thanks so much for your time. We're, we're nearly 25 years past an agreement that really did bring a degree of peace. It's, we're not there yet. It's not a completely settled peace, but we live in a very different society than the one that I moved to from New Zealand when I was a, a kid in 80, 84. You know? So it, we're in a different country, and, and a part of that is because of people like you. And thanks for the work that you've done over the years, and thanks for giving us the time today. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thanks, Bertie. Thank you. Thank you.